Uh, we're going to be in the book of 1 Peter in chapter 2. The book of 1 Peter in chapter 2. If you're here Wednesday night, I, I told you that I left out one of the things that God calls us to be. Uh, and that was lively stones, if you were following along. Uh, he calls for us to be lively stones in 1 Peter in chapter 2. Uh, and so we're going to uh, kind of focus on where we put our foundation uh, tonight. Where do we put our, our hope, our trust, and ultimately our faith. And so here we're going to begin in verse 1. Excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a lively stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity you've given us to come to your house and to worship and to be fed spiritually. God, we thank you for the part of the country that we live in. God, we thank you for the country that we live in. I pray that you would lay your hand upon it. God, help us that we could play our part, that we could submit to your will. God, that we could be used of you. God, help us tonight as we would open your word. God, that we could also open our hearts. And we'd be willing and able to receive what you'd have to say to us through your word and through your Holy Spirit. God, use me as a mouthpiece. Cleanse the message of my mistakes and errors. God, most of all, if it be a lost one among us, I pray that today could be the day of salvation. Forgive us for we fail you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here in 1 Peter chapter 2, he calls us to be lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And 1 Peter chapter 2 is very interesting, if you want to say. Uh, I've never really prided myself on being a, a really plumb, square person whenever it comes to pouring foundations and slabs and concrete and everything. And, and you can ask my dad, close is close enough for me. But whenever it comes to close being close enough, when it's, when it's a foundation for a building, close isn't perfect. Therefore, close isn't close enough. It has to be square. It has to be plumb. It has to be level. Otherwise, by the time you get to the shingles, you're going to have a very, very difficult time with that house. In the same way, our foundation as Christians was perfect. Our foundation was the ultimate perfect. Our foundation is called to be Jesus Christ. Our foundation is called to be God. Our foundation is the Word. That's where our faith lies. That's where our help lies. That's where our guidance lies. We're going to go back and we're going to read verse 1 and 2 once again. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter is speaking to saved people. And he's talking to them, and, he, and he's, he's kind of laying the groundwork for right after these people got saved. He says in verse 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice. I want to pay very, very close attention to these next, to this verse right here in the next verse following in verse 2. It didn't say lay aside some malice. Whenever we're saved, we're not supposed to lay aside some of the old man. On Wednesday nights, we've been studying discipleship, and the last couple of weeks has been what God calls us to be. And he calls us to be a new creature. We're to be changed whenever we're saved. And so whenever we are changed, whenever we become that different person, whenever we become a temple of the Holy Spirit, 
We're to lay aside all malice. All of it. Whatever we think that we're holding on to, whatever we just just too stubborn to let go of, God said to lay it aside. To lay aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speaking. He's saying here to lay aside spiritual immaturity. I've been accused, and it's probably because I hang out with high school kids all day, of being a slightly immature person. I've found myself being a little bit comical sometimes, uh, comically arrogant other times. But I, I do find myself trying to, to kind of lighten the mood with, with humor. But there's a very big difference in trying to make someone smile and being spiritually immature. Because whenever, we, whenever we're saved, we are spiritually immature. The word immature is, is not grown up. I teach agriculture, so I'm going to relate it to cows. I call a calf something that is immature. A bull is more mature. They've grown up. They've got bigger. Everything starts to work right. Whenever we're saved, whenever we're born, verse 2 used the word newborn babes. Whenever we are born again in Christ, we're not supposed to be the ultimate disciple. A week after we get saved, we're not supposed to be the ultimate disciple. You can't expect a kid to speak French and Spanish by the time they're three years old. That's just not going to happen. The Chinese babies can't even do it. But at some point, we have to grow. At some point, we have to grow up. At some point, we have to begin to function. And that's what he's talking about here. He said, lay aside all these things. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. I found myself, and especially since my wife's been pregnant, every time she eats, I eat. I find myself growing in all the wrong directions. I quit growing tall, now I'm growing wide. And I do that because I eat a lot. And if you're here and you enjoy food as much as I do, you understand completely and totally. I had an extra piece of bread pudding in between church today, which will hurt me later. But we enjoy food. We enjoy meat. We enjoy good fresh vegetables. The same way we should enjoy the Word of God. In the same way, we should enjoy singing praises to God. In the same way, we should enjoy growing spiritually. I've never been one to go without eating on purpose. But I have been out fishing, and I take me a peanut butter and cracker with me, and they're gone by breakfast time. And come dark, I get hungry. I don't like to, but I get hungry. And that's the closest I've ever come to being hungry. Compared to some people in this world, I don't know hunger. But I would whole lot rather starve to death than I would go hungry spiritually. Whenever we begin to go hungry spiritually, whenever we begin to neglect our prayer life and our, our time with God, whenever we begin to neglect to read His Word, whenever we begin to neglect to come to church and, and, and to pay attention to what God is trying to say and to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in our life, whenever we come and we sing songs out of habit rather than out of praise, and we may be coming and, and we may be sitting at the table, but we're not eating. We, we may be even in the kitchen and smelling of it, but, but we're not getting fed if we don't come to get fed, if we don't take part in it, if we don't eat. The Bible says as newborn babes, what's that next word? It says desire. 
I love when that Bible uses verbs because it implies that there's something that I have to do. We raised calves at school this past year, a few that we got from Mr. Steve, and, and sometimes the calves don't like bottles. Most of the time, whenever we first get them, they don't want to take a bottle. And so I tell the kids at school, and we'll grab them, and we'll pry their mouth open and make them take the Bible, the bottle. But God is not going to do this. God is not going to force us, force feed us the Bible. I heard a friend of mine say one time, I, I tried so hard to minister to my roommate. He was in college. He said, I was just trying really, really hard to witness to him, and I never could get through with him, so I hit him upside the head with my Bible to just see if it would work. He said it didn't. Worth a shot. We can't learn the Bible by putting it under our pillow like we did our chemistry book. Osmosis don't work that way. We can't learn the Bible whenever it gathers dust sitting on our nightstand or sitting on our mantle. Whenever we can't find the Bible during the week, that means there's a very, very good chance that we didn't get a whole lot of food. Just the same way we feed the spiritual man, we have to feed, excuse me, same way we feed the natural man, we have to feed the spiritual person. We have to at some point uh, feed the spiritual body so that we can grow. So that we can be used of God. So that we can be what God asks us to be. As newborn babes desire, we have to reach out for it. We have to desire to go to church. Otherwise, it's not doing us as much good. We have to desire to praise God. We have to desire to seek God in prayer. We have to desire to seek God's forgiveness of sins. The same way we desired Jesus whenever we were saved. It's not something that God is going to force down our throat. It's not something that God is going to hit, upside the head, hit us upside the head with us. If we want to starve, God will let us. That's a hard truth. But if we want to spiritually starve ourselves, it will grieve God. But He'll let us. The Bible says desire the sincere milk of the Word. And why should we desire it? Why should, as newborn babes, we desire the sincere milk of the Word? It tells us, that we may grow thereby. If you're here and you're saved, I really, really hope that at some point in time, since you've been saved, since you go back to that spiritual birthplace, since the day that, that you changed your address from hell to heaven, at some point in time since that day, you've grown. We pick on my, my middle brother a lot. He's about yay tall and then me and Trey is both significantly taller than him. We pick on him and say he didn't grow quite as much. And he always ate way more than I did. But he ate enough to sustain him. He ate enough to make him healthy. But he didn't grow the same rate that I did. He didn't grow in the same rate that Trey did. All too many times we'll try to compare ourselves and our spiritual growth with other people. I'm not supposed to grow at the same rate as my wife. I'm supposed to grow at the rate that God allows me to. If I spiritually feed myself. Whenever we begin to compare ourselves to others. That goes back to what we talked about this morning. We begin to think. The only person we should compare ourselves to is Jesus Christ. And we'll never measure up. To desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow. Thereby. If so be ye have tasted. That the Lord is gracious. To whom come in verse 4. As unto a lively stone. Disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. 
Whenever Jesus was born on this earth, according to the Bible, we read that, that he lived about 33, 33 and a half years, something like that. And then he was crucified. For that period of time, he fulfilled the work of his father. But he wasn't crucified at age 5 for a reason. He wasn't crucified at age 10 for a reason. He wasn't crucified at age 20 for a reason. In the same way, God has a plan for our life. God has a way that, that, that we can live our life according to him and that he will lead and guide us in everything that we do. And at the whole time we're feeding our spiritual man, we are steady growing. So that, in verse 5, it said, Ye also as lively stones. The lively stone referred to in verse 4 is Jesus. Disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God. And what's that next phrase? And precious. Whenever we allow ourselves to be used of God, then we're chosen of God. God wants to use everybody that's saved. But the truth of the matter is, everybody that's saved won't let him. Everybody that's saved runs from it. I did. A lot of really, really good people I know ran from it. Jonah ran from it. Moses said, I can't. I'm a poor speech. Moses had stage fright. The song says that Daniel brought a rock to a sword fight. We don't always make the best decisions. But God called us anyway. We're not always as prepared as we think we should be. But God calls us anyway. And whenever he calls us, he'll prepare us. He'll suit us up. I'm going to use Daniel, excuse me, David, since I've already mentioned him. David brought a rock to a sword fight. Whenever he went to fight Goliath, Saul tried to put Saul's, the king's armor on David. And what did David say? David said, I hadn't proved it. I don't know what it is. That armor would have protected him. But that armor wasn't what was doing the protecting. Saul was trying to prepare David, but David was saying, I'm trusting in God. Are we? Are we trying to get ourselves suited up in armor or are we trusting in God? Because God will suit us up. The entire Philistine army, I believe, with all my heart, could have threw a spear at David as he charged up that hill at Goliath and not a one would have touched him. I believe with all my heart that God would have protected him no matter what came his direction because David was following God. I've seen pictures and we colored it in Bible school. I won't ever forget it. Saul had armor all over him except one spot. Except one spot. You think David was that good of a shot? I've tried to sling before. I swung in the wrong direction. Those things are terribly difficult to use. David was probably better at it than me. But God guided that stone. God put that stone exactly where it needed to be. But if David would have been like me and you, and David would have been stubborn and said, I ain't going to do it, give me a sword. Give me a spear. Maybe God can use this spear instead of a rock. Give me some armor. What if that stone misses? He's going to cut my head off. Just let, let me stay down here with the sheep. I killed a lion and a bear, but that's nothing compared to a giant. 
Can you imagine the excuses that me and you would come up with today? If we was to face that giant? Truth be told, we still come up with excuses. We come up with excuses. How come I can't read the Bible? Because I'm tired. Because it's almost dark. Because it's time to go to bed. Because I got to get up early. Because I don't have time in the day. Why can't I come to church? Well, I'm tired. It's a long drive. Corona's here. It's raining today. I have to get a haircut tomorrow. I can't go today. I think I'm sick. There's a song, and this is kind of an older one, but it says excuses, we use them every day. And the devil will supply them if from church we'll stay away. The song says, and it's probably the most humorous part in the song, from my opinion. It said the whole family had to stay home just to blow that poor kid's nose. One kid was sick and the whole family stayed home. As much as we want an excuse, the devil will give us one. As often as we want not to read our Bible, the devil will provide us entertainment elsewhere. As much as we want not to fellowship with each other, the devil will provide us a reason not to. As much as we want to skip out on God, as much as we want to starve our spiritual man to death, the devil will let us. He will encourage us. He will make us seem prosperous naturally as long as we're staying away from God spiritually. If I don't eat for a couple of days, I get hungry. I can't fight. If somebody was to attack me, I wouldn't be able to do nothing to them if I hadn't eaten in several hours. In the same way, if we don't eat in several hours spiritually, if we neglect reading the Bible for several days, if, if we start missing church, then we don't miss it so much. Let me say that one more again, one more time. If we start missing church, then we don't miss it as much. Amen. If we start missing prayer, we don't miss it as much. If we start missing devotion, Sunday school lessons, then we don't miss it as much. If we start missing God, then we don't miss him as much. All too many times we'll starve this spiritual man to there's no way that we can fight a spiritual battle. There's no way that we can fend off the fiery darts of the devil because we've stepped out a little bit too far from God because we allowed ourselves to become spiritually starving. We've allowed ourselves to get to the point that we can no longer function Whenever Jesus was tempted of the devil, what did he use to fight that battle? He used the Word of God. If we neglect our Bible, what are we going to use to fight our battles? You can't fight the devil with your fist. You can't fight him with a shotgun. If we neglect our Bible, we have no weapon to fight. We start out as babes in Christ and we grow. And if we don't grow... And we fall by the wayside. God still loves us. But God didn't say that he would force us to grow either. God wants to use us. But God won't drag us out there and make us missionaries. We have to desire it. We have to choose it. Matthew chapter 7 refers to it as a house built upon a rock. 
Whenever we are rooted and grounded in the Word of God, whenever our foundation lies in the Bible, then this house, this temple of the Holy Spirit is built on a rock. And it compares it to being built on sand that washes away, that shifts, that moves. Any of you that's ever worked with sand, different kinds of dirt, you understand. You can't put anything on sand. You can't level anything on sand because the first rain that shows up is gone. It's changed, it's moved, it's wiggled, it's different. If our foundation is on sand, then we're going to wiggle, we're going to move. Job chapter 17 verse 9 says, The righteous also shall hold on his way. He that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. Read that one more time. The righteous also shall hold on his way. If we're not rooted and grounded in God, we can't hold nothing. If we're spiritually starving, we can't hold nothing. But if we allow God to feed us, if we stay in that constant relationship with him, the righteous also shall hold up his way. And he that hath clean hand, he that lay aside everything what it says in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, that sheds this, this fleshly man, he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. As we grow in Christ, God, and the, the, the saying is, uh, what I'm looking for, with great something comes great responsibility. What is it? I seriously have no idea. I'm blank. With great... Uh, I don't remember. With great something comes great responsibility. God has given us a great responsibility, but not only that, He has given us great opportunity. Knowledge is a good one. With great knowledge comes great responsibility. God has given us the knowledge of the Bible. God has given us the responsibility to spread the gospel. God has given us the responsibility... To live for Him. God has given us the responsibility to feed ourselves. Growing up at Mama's house with, with two brothers and there was five of us in the house, she didn't cook three different meals. She cooked. And we ate or we didn't. That's all there was to it. We learned to like a lot of things. We didn't love them all, but we learned to like a lot of things. Everything in the Bible we're not supposed to love. Because they're going to convict us. Everything in the Bible is not supposed to be praises and joy. Because some of it is bad news for our lost loved ones. There's preachers and churches that, that only preach God's love. And God's love is the greatest thing, that, the, the greatest two words that can ever be put together. But God's love is half of God. Whenever we refuse to be used of Him, whenever we refuse to, to speak to Him, to allow Him to speak to us, whenever we refuse the food that He puts before us, then we'll see God's wrath. Whenever we disobey Him, whenever we stray away from Him, whenever we present ourselves as contrary to God's Word in a world where we're supposed to be a witness, then we will view 
God's wrath. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Timothy in chapter 4. The book of 1 Timothy in chapter 4, why are you turning? I was reading Psalm chapter 92 yesterday, and it made an awful lot of sense. And the gist of the whole thing is, is a righteous man will flourish. Whenever we're immediately saved, our soul is cleansed. White as snow by the blood of Jesus Christ. But we're not yet ready to be called righteous. We're saved. But we hadn't followed God in, in, his, in his word and his commandments. We hadn't followed in obedience and the crucified of our flesh. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15, it says, Neglect not the gift that is thee, which was given to thee by prophecy, with the laying on of hands. That's where I'm at. First Timothy chapter 4. What verse? 15. No, you're not. Oh, I'm in 15. Okay. There we go. Verse 15. It's, it's really good to hear sometimes. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 15, not 14. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you shall both save thyself and them that hear thee. I'm going to break this in half. And God gives us a lot of instructions in, this, in these two short verses. He says, meditate upon these things. And if you read back in the in the first, second, third, and beginning of chapter 4 of Timothy, Paul gives Timothy a lot of instructions. God gives us a lot of instructions. Amen. He says meditate upon these things. Whenever we think of the word meditate, we're not talking about the, the own. That's not meditate. Meditating is thinking on. Meditating is paying attention to. Meditating is, is, is getting Netflix off your mind and thinking about God for a few minutes. Meditating is, is getting the problems of the world off your mind and allowing God to speak to you for a few minutes. Meditating is turning your phone over, turning it off, taking your Apple Watch off where you can't get a text message, and focusing on God, paying attention to God, what He would say, what He would have us to do, where the Holy Spirit would lead and guide us. Meditate upon these things. And that next one is no doubt the hardest one. It says, give thyself to them. I missed a word, didn't I? We're not supposed to just give ourselves to them. He says to give thyself wholly to them. I can't give myself to God, but keep a part back for myself. Don't work that way. God didn't, just, God didn't say to prevent, present Part of myself is a living sacrifice. God, I'm going to let you use my arm today, but I'm going to keep my legs. I'm going to use them for, for what I want to do. God, I'm going to let you have my legs today, but I'm keeping my tongue. I'm going to say what I want to say, and you just take me wherever you want me to go. That wouldn't work very well. If we're going to give ourselves to God, we have to give all of ourselves to God. Everything. If we begin to keep back away from God, then we're doing Him a disservice. We're doing ourselves a disservice. Meditate upon these things. 
and give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Pay attention to. Don't get hung up. Don't get lost. Do you believe there is false religion in this world today? Everywhere you look, ain't it? Me and Emily was in a bookstore. I think it was whenever we was in Alabama. And we went in the bookstore and we were looking for a King James Bible. Guess what I couldn't find? A King James Bible. I hunted and hunted. And, we, and there was a couple of little bitty devotions. And we pulled them out. They had KJV on the side of it. But you open it up to the front page and the NIV is copyrighted inside of there. Everywhere you look today, the Word of God is misconstrued. The Word of God is taken out of context. The Word of God is, is picked through and changed and twisted to meet whatever it is the translators wanted, wanted to know, wanted to understand. They wasn't translating the Word of God. They were creating a new word to say whatever it was they wanted to say. Because they took out the part that made them feel bad. If the Bible don't convict you, if the Bible don't convict me, then I have a heart problem. Because I'm not perfect. And at some point in time, the Holy Spirit will convict me. The Holy Spirit will convict you. The church covenant, I was reading it the other day, and it says that that we are not to be offended. That we're not to be easily offended. That we're to stay away from wearing our feelings on our sleeve and letting every little bitty thing turn us upside down. Because the Word of God is greater than that. And if we're found, if, if our foundation is the Word of God, then we're above that. Because we can't be shaken. I can take my Bible, and I've done a little bit of research, not near about what I should, but I can take my Bible and I can, and I can take the King James Version and I can trace it back to what we believe to be the original text. King James versions are not copyrighted. Whenever a publisher publishes, and without the references and, and all that, because those were, were put in here by men, but the words of God was not copyrighted. The new versions of the Bible have, have copyrights. In order for them to be published, somebody gets paid. It becomes about money. It becomes about the things of this world. Whenever you trace them back, they, they, they come from multiple different texts out of Egypt, out of Turkey, out of Iraq, some out of Rome. They come from everywhere. It's not on a good foundation. My Bible is the inspired word of God. It came from God, the ultimate foundation. My salvation is built on the word of God. The ultimate foundation. After we have that foundation of salvation on God's Word, we grow in God's Word. We meditate. We give ourselves. We take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. And it says then to continue in them. That we shouldn't stray away. That we shouldn't step back. That we shouldn't get distracted. That we shouldn't focus on the things of the world that we should focus on the things of God. Amen. That we could take our troubles to Him. 
And we can allow Him to guide in our life to continue in them for in doing this thou shalt save thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Your life can be used for God. You can lay up treasures in heaven. The phrase is often used if your life is wasted on this earth that you're saved so as by fire. But if you continue in the doctrines of Christ, if you continue on the foundation that Jesus set forth, if we become that lively stone and allow ourselves to be used of God, then we'll save our good works. We'll save the things that we've done for God. We'll save the ways that we've allowed Him to use us. And that next one says, Them that hear thee. No doubt everyone in here has lost loved ones. People that we wish, that we hope, that we pray. Could see Jesus. Could see their need for Christ. And if we continue in these doctrines, founded on Jesus Christ, then they'll see Jesus in us. Then we'll be that light, we'll be that witness, we'll be that exemplification of the love of Christ. My prayer to God is that each and every one of us could be the lively stones that God calls us to be. That we could allow ourselves to be used of Him, that we could feed our spiritual man, and that we could be used of God to be a light in a lost and dying world. Oh, I have a verse for song we'd like to offer. A verse of invitation.